0: Welcome to the Music Biz Weekly podcast, founded in 2011, and with over 500 weekly episodes, where Michael Brandvold and Jay Gilbert, two longtime music industry pros, discuss the very latest trends, tools, and tactics that you need to succeed in this new music business.
1: Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly podcast. This is an episode you want to listen to. This is music meets cannabis and how yeah. these two businesses are coming together. Yeah. Um, before we get into this week's interview, real quick shout out. Thank you to Discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musicians. Digital royalty payments are so small. that selling products like CD, vinyl, and T-shirts online and at gigs has become such an important income generator. For every CD you sell at a gig, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. We got a great offer we put together with DiscMakers.com. Head over to DiscMakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, you'll save up to $150 in shipping costs. Jay. This week, Music Biz Weekly Podcast, who are we talking to? We're
2: talking to Keith Huffman, CEO of Engage Your Brands. We're talking about cannabis and music, something that you and I have talked about, but we've never really covered it on the podcast. Fantastic, fantastic
1: discussion. I totally encourage everybody to listen to this one. This is a marketplace that you're gonna to want to pay attention to. Yes, sir. Come
0: on. Thousands of musicians and industry professionals listen to the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. If you have a product or service and would like to reach this audience, get in touch with Michael or Jay to discuss sponsorship opportunities.
2: Today, we are happy to be joined by Keith Huffman. He's the CEO of Engager Brands. And we're going to talk about a topic that we've never really covered on this uh, podcast before. Um, Keith, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. So before we hit record, we were just touching base a little bit on your background. And I think it's really fascinating that you've kind of got a history in, in the music business. Tell us a little bit about your path.
3: Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I got my start, my career uh, in the music industry. Um, actually, if you want to go way, way back, I was worked in college radio, uh, you know, back where, you know, at the University of Michigan. Um, and then oh. straight, straight from there, I moved to New York. Um, my first job in the industry actually was at Columbia House, the uh, oh, so, record so club. Yeah, probably,
1: I probably owe you a little bit of money.
3: I think a lot of us <laughs> do, um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of people's pets owe us a lot of money. Uh, you know, exactly. It's uh, but but, you know, what's great about that is I got to learn. I really got to learn, truly learn direct marketing, you know, which you didn't get to learn if you worked at a record company. You know, marketing at a record label was more, I almost call it like glorified, like product management, right? Project management. It's like making sure that all the boxes were ticked. Are we doing this? Are we doing that? So um, from there, I was recruited away to, to start the new media department at RCA Records. Uh, and
2: that's what it was called then. Uh, Around in, what year was that? That, roughly? Was, that was
3: 2000. Oh,
2: okay, so just right after Napster kind of hit and before we kind of figured out the iTunes store and when, when new, press new, play when, and music when new, net.
1: New Media was that sexy job that everybody was craving to get.
3: Well, it's funny. So literally, I think my first day on the job at RCA Records, the head of sales came into my office and said, hey, uh, nice to meet you. Um, I'm having this problem with my computer. I hope you can help me fix it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, was, I ran into that because I was the I was the like the the whatever new media the enter the computer guy, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, and but yeah, it, it it evolved obviously pretty quickly, and and my career evolved pretty quickly because having the experience that I had working at Columbia House, I was able to apply that very quickly and successfully to RCA. And so um, I kind of moved up the ranks pretty quickly. They, they, they gave me the digital marketing and then the digital business right. for all of BMG. Um, and that was literally like right when iTunes launched. So yeah. that was the beginning of yep. a really interesting ride. Uh, and so when I took over the digital business at BMG, it was a little under a million in, in revenue. And by the time we merged with Sony, it was a 100- 100 125 million revenue, which was like about two, two and a half years later. So yeah, it was just that crazy rockage. Yeah.
2: Um, But those were fun days. I was in a similar position and I remember going to sales meetings where I was just kind of an afterthought, you know, they'd say, well, what's going on with this? And I remember comedy was one of the first things that took off for downloads. People forget that, but Larry, the cable guy and Ron White and some of those things really were the forefront before music started to really hit. And I remember once it would be like, okay, we we sold 25 downloads. And then like the next week, okay, so we sold 250 downloads. Next thing you know, I started getting invited to the executive meetings. Like, okay, we did thousands of downloads on this thing. And ringtones were really big back then. And it was a thing.
3: It was, it was. And, you know, for me, it was, it was a lot of fun in the early days because, you know, it was really a lot just kind of figuring things out. That's right. There
1: were, there were no rules. You could basically do what you wanted to do.
3: That's right. And and so we were, you know, what do you mean someone's willing to pay $4 for a little snippet of a song to put on their phone? You know, crazy. It was like, you think back, even it, it was crazy then. And now you look back and it still seems crazy, but there was that window there. Yeah. Where, uh, where that was, you
2: know, ringtones and ring back tones. I don't know if you remember I remember it. that, sure. Of oh, course. God, yeah. There were master tones and, you oh. know, these kind of fake tones. And yeah, it was a thing. We did like Marvin Gaye's Let's Get It On was one of the first ones we did a million of. And I remember people are saying, you sold a million of a ringtone. And we had tons of them because it, it was a way that you showed somebody how cool you were. Is how cool your ringtone and mine has been the same ever since those days. It's it's uh, Van Halen's Eruption, has been my ringtone. But here's the thing, I never have my ringtone on.
1: I was going to ask you, Jay. I don't don't vibrate. I don't know the last time I've had my phone not set to silent. Yeah,
2: (laughs) I just never have it on unless I'm expecting, you know, a call from a you know delivery man or something. Then I might turn it on. And and
1: frankly, in this day and age, who answers their phone? What do you need a ringtone for? Nobody answers the phone anymore. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's funny.
3: That is true. Yeah, I mean, so that actually is funny because so the when I left, um, so when we merged, so BMG then merged with Sony. Yeah, I, uh, I was running the the North American digital um, business, and it was very different. It was interesting, you know, because you know, merger it wasn't. a merger of equals uh, as most mergers are not. They never are. And so, um, you know, it was pretty clear uh, once that merger went down that, you know, kind of my, my philosophy uh, was very different than probably most others within the music industry at the time, which was like, oh my God, look at all this pent up demand that we're not, you know, satisfying. And let's figure out new business models to fulfill that demand because it's going to exponentially unlock an even greater opportunity for the industry as a whole and well bmg let me run with that but when we got merged with sony sony was all this was the copy protection days and like let's put the genie back in the bottle days yeah and so i basically used my you know right after we merged um i left Also, I came out here to L.A. because that was all in New York. I now live in L.A. And I took over uh, the mobile content business for a company called Infospace, which their mobile content business was called Moviso. They bought a company called Moviso. I don't know if you remember them. Sure. And then I took that over, transitioned the ringtone business into, uh, started the transition, created the first mobile rich media content studio We started doing rich media applications with Tony Hawk with, we did a deal with CSI that never ended up launching, unfortunately, with a whole bunch of different media properties. And then they decided to sell off the division. And I think literally like six months later, the iPhone launched, you know, and we would have been the basically we would have had the, you know, you know the pole position to be the provider of rich media entertainment apps for for for, for i you know for the yeah, iphone yeah so it was a missed opportunity um but you know look i think the ceo of infospace when they sold the company made like something like 63 million dollars that year so so he bad. was he
1: he wasn't too upset regardless right not bad so
2: how not did you get a bad, into that year? If you
1: can, if you can, if you can get it. Exactly. Yeah. So
2: how did you transition kind of from music to the world of cannabis? And I mean, certainly there are so many synergies uh, there, but how did that happen? So I decided at a
3: very late age to become an entrepreneur. So, so after, you know, the stint at Infospace, I, Started to get into creating my own businesses, and um, I did. A, I, I created a a, a a social media application for events that was probably about ten years too early. Um, that's that's the unfortunate thing for a lot of it, things that I've got in my. In I my a um, T- timing. I have. Uh, I, I'm really good at predicting the future but I'm usually way too early so it's like by the time the, the payoff comes I'm already on to the next thing and it's like um, but anyway I start I eventually ended up kind of finding a really good niche do, running in uh, my own sort of digital agency kind of marrying the LA tech scene with the New York media scene and I was doing some interesting things and I got to meet some really interesting entrepreneurs out here we were all sitting around at dinner this is probably back in the like late 2014. And it was like, well, what do you think is going to be the next big thing? And we all said weed, you know, and, and, and but we didn't really know what that meant. And three of us from that dinner decided to um, move forward with it. And we created a company called Prohibited Media. And we are the first um, cannabis focused media company that was focused on professional quality, um, broadcast quality uh, cannabis content, um, we created the first multi-platform video, uh, network for cannabis content, and we ended up creating an in-house agency and a whole bunch of different things. But, you know, it was interesting, like how, you know, for me, it's again, it's like, I just saw that there was this opportunity of, of kind of what was next, um, and what was happening. This was like, you know, seven years ago, eight years ago now, um. But yeah, what's interesting about kind of what ended up happening is that um, even though I thought I'd escaped the music industry, my current business has kind of come full circle and I've kind of married my two former, you know, worlds where I've I've got um, music focused brands that focus on cannabis
1: consumers. So so let's I, I guess let's almost go right back to the very basics here, because as Jay said early on we haven't talked about the cannabis market space in relationship to the music industry. Um, I've been familiar with it. I, I spent four years in the adult industry and surprisingly, a lot of people from the adult industry jumped ship from the adult industry and are in the cannabis industry. And, and as you said, it's actually not a big stretch from the music industry to the cannabis industry. Um, what's, what is going on? in the cannabis music world of those two merging? And more importantly, what are the, the challenges that are being faced because it's cannabis? You know, Cannabis is not legal at the federal level yet, it's statewide. So there's, as we know, you, know, you, you, you think there's a lot of rules and hoops you gotta jump through for just running any sort of an ad anywhere. Um, wait until you try and run a cannabis ad somewhere and you know what what are the hurdles what are people who are maybe coming into this space from the music side not aware of that's going to be there
3: yeah great question it's uh well it's a lot harder than anyone thinks you know looking from the outside it's always like oh you know it's the weed business. They, it's got to be
1: uh, fun. It's easy. We're going to have a blast. It's like,
0: no. It's,
3: and I will say that it is, you know, without a doubt, like, I, I think by like a, a magnitude of potentially 10X, the hardest industry I've ever worked on in my life. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you literally, not only are do you have an incredible amount of roadblocks that are, that are in your way, you know from everything from marketing to banking, to stigmas of just dealing with, you know, any number of different constituencies to the fact that the, that the rules and regulations constantly are changing, you know, it's not like a static, you know, like-
1: It's not oh, like one rule for the entire country. It's not even one rule for a state. Cities and counties have different rules. I mean, it, 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 as you said, it's quite a challenge.
3: It really is. It really is. So, you know, you know, getting back to your sort of original question and what's happening with with music is that, you know, you know, really what has, what has happened in sort of like the, the kind of the canvas, you know, first stage, maybe it's 1.0, whatever you want to call it. Um, there was really a focus on the celebrity brands, right? So you, you had the Marley estate, you had Willie Nelson, um, you had Doug, you had you know there's a variety of them and um, you know most of those celebrity brands haven't worked out um, you know and and for you guys having being familiar with the music industry I'm sure you can understand why first of all there's a lot of challenges to obviously you know if you're if you're completely like attaching your brand to a celebrity then you are at the mercy of so many things. Like, you know, first of all, like what that, what that artist will actually, yeah their level of involvement, what, what what they will do. Yeah. Your, your, your brand goes down the toilet overnight or, you know, what's even more common though, is that they get really excited about the prospect of doing it, everything leading up to it. And then you launch the product and they're onto the next shiny object. They don't support it. They don't really get behind it. And as a result, it just kind of dies. And, and, and also quite honestly, a lot of early celebrities that jumped into it didn't do it for the the right reasons. Like the ones that we mentioned, they've actually survived because they truly are like,
1: it's their lifestyle.
3: Yeah. It's, it's authentic. Right.
2: So that's the thing. Like people just don't, so the Celine Dion brand of weed didn't really hit? didn't,
1: well, didn't take off well, the way
2: that they are hoping.
3: I,
1: I, I was going to bring up, I mean, Jay and I are huge KISS fans. And I don't know, it was a year, a couple years ago. All of a sudden, Gene Simmons is working with some cannabis company out of Vancouver. And, you know, one minute he's all anti-drug and the next minute he's promoting a cannabis company. Clearly, it's literally just a payday, and when the payday contract runs out, he no longer cares about it.
3: Yeah, exactly, and that's, you know, look, and you, it's obvious to you guys, and it's, I think it's, you know, it's obvious to, to, to all the audiences, right? Like, there's a, you know, look, most music fans, like, they, they if they're truly fans of an artist, they know whether or not something is an, uh, is authentic. Right? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And and so to try to fake it, then it's just obviously a payday. And like, you know, let's face it, like, you know. Love kiss as well. But Gene, it, 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 at his core, is a, is a capitalist, you know. and Well,
1: is a capitalist. But, you know, at the same time, you know, if he's if, if somebody is sitting here and I'm not just saying this about Gene, but it would be any celebrity saying this is a great, great line of cannabis i love it i you know whatever you've got to sit back and go okay i trust your knowledge because i know you've been a user you know what you're talking about how can a consumer trust somebody who literally has never used the product yeah
3: well they can't right so you know it's it's so anyway you know What, you know, what we saw and also just like, I think, I think literally every rapper on the faith on the planet, like kind of had their own strain or their own product and almost none of them have have made it. And, and it's interesting. So kind of going back to my um, last company is when we were running our in-house agency, we had a lot of people come into us saying, Hey, you know, we love the way that you guys have your content looks and everything. And you guys have such a good I, for, you know, creating, you know, brands, can you help us with our brands? And we'd be like, sure. So who's your target audience? And everyone would say almost the same thing, which was like weed smokers, you know, or just like, you know, it was like it, everyone. And it was like, oh my God. Like, and so for me, as a, you know, we started to evolve and kind of when I eventually spun, spun off what I do now, I was like, wow you know, there really aren't any weed brands yet for the different music tribes that are out there, right? That that really authentically connect. And so one of the first brands that we actually incubated that company um, was a brand called Heavy Grass. And it was focused on, on the, the metal scene, you know, and we started through my partnerships and through my contacts, we, we have a lot of, of contacts and, you know, obviously in the music industry. So we started like setting up tents at, um, at a lot of these rock festivals and we would have the longest lines, you know, out, out of any any other thing, but especially in the beginning. You know, we just put a weed, you know, pot leaf out there and people are like, what's going on here, you know? But it was amazing the kinds of stories that people would come in and tell and say, I have been waiting for there to be a weed brand, you know, that spoke to me. I, I love metal. I, I love weed. And there hasn't been a brand for me. And now there is. And I'm thankful that you're here. Oh, by the way, when you come into my state, it was like, well, you have to talk to your politician. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's an opportunity across all of these different, you know, genres. So to this day, it's, it's pretty interesting, but my company is really one of the only companies that I know of that's taking this approach, you know? And so uh, to me, it's a big white white space opportunity. It's like, you know, if we can become the cannabis brand for, the metal audience. And then we also have an, another brand called neon roots, which is our brand for the, uh, EDM and rave scene. And we've got a couple of more in, that we're incubating right now. It's like, you know, I am those are, you know, you, they call these niche businesses, but those are huge niches, right? Oh, like, they're massive. Well, yeah.
1: The, 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 the potential upside of sales is just massive as as more and more states legalize this, and eventually we hopefully can get it legalized nationwide, you know, the 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 revenue is unheard of that you could make out there. Now, I've got so many questions going through my head here as we're talking. I guess first question, are you, because as, as you kind of alluded to, we're kind of in the 1.0 phase of- cannabis merging with music stuff like that are you spending a lot more time educating both sides of the fences to the other side's business meaning educating the music people okay this is the cannabis world it's not like going in there and just licensing your t-shirt and educating the cannabis world okay this is how the music industry works understand, you know, the mentality of that celebrity that you want to get, what they're going to do for you, what they're not going to do for you. Um, is is there still a lot of that going on both sides of the business? Yeah. Well, look, I
3: mean, yeah, it's like anytime two industries come together, right? There's always like, I remember back in the early days where the the, the technology companies and the music companies first started talking and it was mm-hmm. like, they were talking completely different languages, right? Absolutely. And it's like, uh, different needs. And that was actually where I found my sweet spot is I was actually, you know, in many ways I was just, I was a really good translator, right? Because right. I could actually speak both the languages and figure out how to kind of navigate the waters. Um, and, and that's kind of what I'm doing right now as well, right? Because you're right. I mean, there is, with when it comes to you know particularly when it comes to music artists, um, so we 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 actually have uh, an interesting. We did our first artist collab. So we, as I said, we don't build celebrity brands, but we do work with artists that make sense for our umbrella brand, and we do collabs with them, right? So they kind of fall underneath the 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 parent, you know. Like so, for Heavy Grass, we did our first collab with um, with Clown from Slipknot. And um we had thing called clown cannabis and you know one of the things that we've had to do to help educate him and he's a believer and he he's been he's a big believer in the medicinal benefits of of the flower and he's been it's really helped him like kind of manage his life and his you know sort of in in many many ways and so he's a true believer but really um, you know some of the education on his end is like just it's not, it's, it's not an overnight, like you're going to make a whole bunch of money in Canada. Yeah,
2: you just mentioned something that's near and dear to my heart. When you said medicinal, um, my thoughts go to uh, mental health. And it's such a big deal now, man, whether it's with medicinal marijuana, whether it's with the music industry. Is there any um, collaboration or uh, work that you and your company are doing that kind of address uh, the mental health side of things?
3: So probably the one that's closest is probably the thing we're doing with clown, because again, it's coming from a really authentic place because that's what, he, you know, that's sort of what drove him to um, create his own brand. Um, in general, there's a lot of really important sort of social causes attached to cannabis. I think the mental health thing, I think the social, justice you know aspect is another one yeah we're big supporters and believers in that however due to the fact that you know we're still we're it's still the early stages it's very difficult for us to put too much time and resources into it because we're literally at the stage where we're just struggling to keep keep the lights on because um, you know in particular all of our brands right now are just in California and for anyone who doesn't understand what's going on in California right now, just a quick like overregulated, overtaxed. Um, 50% of the municipalities have actually opted out of having um, dispensaries. So huge illicit market. 70% of the market's the illicit market. Um, and um, wow, a, a massive overproduction. So uh, price, flower prices have just plummeted and and not enough and not enough uh, stores and so uh, way more brands than there are you know not enough shelf space for the amount of brands so it's just really really hard you know to kind of you know a lot of brands are struggling out here now where we're moving towards and where we're seeing other brands have some success and I know we will have a lot of success is in other states um, and ho- luckily, they are learning from a lot of the mistakes that California has made. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 tough when you're trying to like connect these two, you know, audiences, and kind of getting back to you know the other way. It's like, um, you know, understanding like so. We're doing a big. Um, so we've been partnered with. Uh, with this Dr. Green Thumb, which is, which is the, uh, it's a chain of dispensaries that's owned by Be Real from Cypher Um And he also has his own brand called Insane. And we've become really close partners with them. And it's interesting, actually, we had at a conference last year, um, B and Clown were on a panel together. And they've known each other for years. But I don't know if it was co- because of this reconnection with them or not. But you know, Cypress Hill and Slipknot on our tour together right now uh, this summer, and we're doing a big exhibition um, at their final show. It's the only California show. It's down in uh, San Diego um, here coming up in a few weeks. And it's trying to educate our, um, our cannabis partners on how it works with doing the meet and greets with the artists and the sensitivities around that and what we can do at the show, you know, to promote and all these different things. So yeah, it's just, there's a lot, it's constantly. I, I thought, honestly, when I got into this industry, I thought we'd be a lot further along than we are. Uh, and and it, it is still, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful we're in two, starting at the beginning of 2.0 now, um, that we're kind of out of 1.0, but we're still, it's still early days
1: when 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 you when you talk about it being like 1.0 maybe moving towards 2.0 and i'm trying to to relate that to like the internet birth and explosion are you basically dealing right now with a lot of clients who only look at these opportunities from a shoot my there's a lot of talk about this and i just need to be there and i'm going to make a boatload of money that's it. I mean, you know, if we look back to the the explosion of the internet 1.0, that's kind of what it was. I don't know what I'm going to be doing here, but goddamn, I got to have a website and I got to have a store, and I'm supposed to just make a shitload of money doing it. And as we know, the bubble, people realized it wasn't all about eyeballs. You, you know, it the, the business has evolved greatly. So is that your big challenge right now? Is also dealing with people on both sides, music and cannabis going, well, God, man, if I can align my product with Snoop Dogg, we're going to fucking make $10 million. You know, that's it. It's just money. That's all they're seeing right now. And not the real future of where all of this could be going. And what's the real value you could sell and bring to a consumer.
3: Yeah. So Kind of drawing the parallels, um, because, yeah, there's very many parallels to that. And that's what's served me well, right? Having been through through it, the dot com boom and bust. So, what we saw, it it was, you know, we call it the green rush, was like from 2017 to 2019, there was a ton of money that came into the market. And primarily it was fueled by the fact that. Um, that these Canadian companies were able to go on the public markets up in Canada. So all of a sudden, retail investors who had for years been wanting to invest in cannabis companies had an outlet. They had an ability to go like, oh, I can invest in all these companies. So what ended up happening is that all those companies ended up, it was like the Internet days. They got these ridiculous, like bloated valuations where they're like, 20, 30 X multiples, right. 40 X multiples. And it was like, wait a minute, this is just madness. Like, and, and then in 2019, what happened is that the bottom fell out because some analysts started to kind of like say, oh, wait a minute, the emperor is not wearing any clothes here. Like these companies, you know, most people that were just investing were assuming that federalization was going to be coming here in the US right and that kind of drove these valuations so once it became clear that that wasn't happening it's was like well you know what there's only so many canadians and only so many canadians that actually consume so literally like overnight the vast majority of these companies lost 70 80% of their value and the dirty little secret at the time was that most of these companies were actually funding a lot of our companies down here because a lot of pri- a lot of in investor groups in the U S would not invest in us. And we were part of that, my last company. And so, you know, we had a, at, at our peak, we had about 80 employees where we, we were in LA, Toronto, New York, and then almost overnight, literally we went, we, you know, we had to get let go of almost everyone. And we had to like basically uh, break the company up. So I kind of equate that with the in twenty nineteen, Right. And then COVID hit. So like that kind of added things to it. So what I am hopeful is that we are now at the beginning of 2.0, which as we all know in 2.0 and the internet, like that's really where the winners ultimately were decided, right? Um, Because there were a lot of reasons for 1.0, like I'd say a big reason for 1.0, a lot of the, the lack of success is that there were a lot of smart people with a lot of great ideas, but, like the pipes weren't built yet, right? Like there were these like incredible like services and like, but yet meanwhile, people were still on like-
1: A dial up modem. Yeah, modems
3: and, and it was just like, they just wasn't there. And, um, and I think that is the final domino that has to drop here is that we do need some loosening up on the federal level, because that's the domino because trying to roll out on a state by state basis, is incredibly burdensome, right? You know, yeah. you literally have, it's almost like every, it's it's almost like going into a different territory, you know? Okay. And you're like, starting over each time. Uh, because you have to find new partners. There's no interstate commerce. Um, and I would imagine some of the laws may be varying from state to state. Completely different. <laughs> every No two states are exactly alike. Uh, That's so challenging. It's super challenging. Um, so I don't know it's uh it's pretty maddening that our that our that our federal government you know can't listen to the, the will of the people I think 68% of all Americans feel that cannabis should be fully legal I think something like 87% feel that medical should be fully legal well as you guys know we can't we can't get 68% of Americans agree on anything no. um and Not today the fact that we can agree, all agree on that. I mean, it shouldn't. It's not a partisan issue. It shouldn't be one. But we're just, you know, we have a dysfunctional government, obviously, right now. But I'm cautiously optimistic. We can start making some little, you know, even just getting some banking things that would help a lot. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a challenge. It's a continued challenge. And when you mar- when you when you marry it with music, it's like where you know, there's no boundaries for music fans, right? Like you know, it's like. Oh, uh, we're only focused on the music fans that are in this state. You know, yeah. it's like you know that's so. And, yeah. You
1: know, and and I and I don't want this this question statement to come come across the wrong way to our listeners. But do you kind of feel like one of the hurdles they also have to overcome with relationship to cannabis is the companies need to, I don't know, mature get more experienced people in them as opposed to, you know, and and again, I saw this in the adult industry, like, oh my God, it's it's a gold rush. Everybody, some kid right out of college, drops out of college, puts some money into it, starts a business, cash is flowing in, but yet they have no business experience or knowledge. They don't understand the writing on the wall in front of them. You know, the adult industry, Got nailed by the same thing that destroyed the music industry, pirating of content. Except it happened years later, and it was video that got pirated, not the audio. Yet it was it was like a freaking semi staring at you. It's like it's gonna come, it's coming, it's come. Oh, you're shocked. So is that a is that an issue where the businesses almost have to mature to get people who have business experience and maybe not cannabis experience. That makes sense.
3: Yes. Uh, So it's a, it's a really interesting, you know, this is again, where we're, it's such a unique industry, right? Because you have a lot of people that have, that are legacy business owners, right. That come out of the legacy market before legalization and the ones that decided to go legal um, it's a mixed bag. Like some of them are very, you know, really savvy, like super sharp, super smart. And then there's others that, yeah, I would say were not very sophisticated, you know, operators like didn't really fully understand um, the business. And then once the, 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 green rush started coming in, you did, you got a lot of people coming in saying, Oh, it's an easy, it's easy money, licensed print money, just going to get in. Um, and you know, you also when there, when a lot of the, the, these companies actually had some money is you were starting to get which I was incredibly excited about a lot of professionals from the outside other industries that were coming in. Well, that was didn't last long. So one is that when when the bus happened, you know, they all left. Um, yeah, but two was that also. A lot of them left because they just got frustrated because they're like, "Oh my God, this is too hard." You know, yeah. like I'd see these like seasoned CMOs come in to take over some of these companies, and they would leave screaming after six months. So, "Wait a minute, yeah. all the tools in my toolkit that I'm used to using don't work. Using. It
2: looked good on paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really interesting, uh, Keith. This. This is such a fascinating discussion. I've, I've learned so much just from chatting with you for a few minutes. Um, we'd love to have you continue and, and come back on. But as we kind of wrap up, tell, tell our listeners and viewers, where can they learn more about you and about your, uh, your business? Absolutely.
3: So you can go to uh, engagerbrands.com and you can learn more about our, our brands that we're, we're launching there. And also that you can go go to uh, title3funds.com slash engager. That's T-I-T-L-E, the number three funds.com slash engager. Mm-hmm. We are gonna be launching in a couple of weeks, the very first crowd fund for a uh, cannabis brand portfolio. And we got a, a, a platform to actually uh, accept us, which again is also a challenge. It's a huge
1: hurdle right there. Yeah. Um, and so we're
3: going to go out and market to, uh, to music fans like, hey, you know what? You can you can own a piece of this and help us grow and, the, and those funds are going to be used for us to you know be able to expand into other states where there's a lot of interest. They're like, oh my God, we want you to come here, please come here. And uh, we want to, but we, we need the capital. So, Uh, It's tough right now to go out and raise capital from like the institutional investors because, um, in particular, anyone that invests in cannabis they got beaten up, you know, during that last like cycle. And so um, we're going to be again kind of paving the path. So check check us out there, and then. Um, if you want to just check out the heavy grass uh, that's the dot um, com and neonroots.life those are our two uh, two very ones. cool very very cool this is
1: this is awesome and, and Keeve, I I, I I second what jay said you know please touch base and keep us posted as things are evolving and changing because i do believe this has a great future to it but it's in its infancy stages, and anything in its infancy, whether it's cannabis, NFTs, the internet, is going to have some heart. ups and downs early on until people actually figure out how the business works. Yeah,
3: yeah, absolutely. I'd be be thrilled to. to- check back in later. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of things are going to develop here pretty quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about that. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's been a fun ride and it's going to continue to be one, I'm sure. Yeah. Thanks again, Keith. Thanks we so really much. Appreciate Gabe. your time, man. This has been great. Thank
1: you.
2: All right. Thanks guys. Musicbizweeklypodcast.com. Subscribe on YouTube, follow and rate us on Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review on
0: iTunes. We appreciate your support. Visit DiscMakers.com to place an order for 100 or more CDs. And when you check out, use promo code FREEBIZ and get free shipping up to a $150 value. Jay, that,
1: you know, we say this about a lot of uh, our conversations, but man, I had so many questions and this could have gone on for like six yeah. hours and yeah, we're just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface. And, you know, when we finished with Kiev off offline, I mentioned, it's like, I, I've, I've seen so much of this because we've been in the music industry. You and I were at basically the birth of the internet we saw yep. it explode collapse come back again yep. and, I, and and I had spent years working in the adult industry which has many of those same challenges that the cannabis industry has right and
2: and, and even you brought up like NFTs there's some similarities there oh, as it's, well it's, these growing pains
1: these, these growing pains while the business is being figured out where do you make you know yes there's money. But the problem is just because there's money to be made, people don't know what to do to make the money. And internet 1.0, cannabis 1.0, NFT 1.0 is all about, I'm selling the internet, I'm selling NFTs, and I'm selling cannabis. Well, as we all know, if a market's going to last, you don't sell the technology, you sell the value that the technology or the product brings. So at the end of the day, it's not, Oh my god, you know, my my artist has got their own strain of cannabis. That's not the thing here. It's it's what is the value? What does that brand bring? You know, when we sit here and you think about Microsoft or Tesla or Apple, what does that brand yeah. make you feel? What does that do to you? Yeah. That's what you're selling and Exactly.
2: And, and, and I had a great quote about that Mike where someone said people don't always buy what you do. They buy why you do it. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting too.
1: Yeah. So, you know, there's just gotta be some maturity here. Um, there's clearly gotta be some, some changing in, in not just federal regulations, but state and local regulations. I mean, he's right. I haven't dealt, dug into it. Like he said, but the California cannabis industry is, is not as, robust gold and robust as people might think because it's legal because there is so much regulation that oh yeah that 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 even if you got one of those coveted license to sell you may not be making money because that's right you're taxed so so hard there's so many restrictions
2: a friend of mine who's in that business told me they have an inside joke they call it business prevention where these people come out and there's so many rules and regulations and zoning and you know we talked about the difficulties with you know just the finances of these companies that it's really challenging to get the business off the ground but then it's it's challenging to keep it going it's challenging and-
1: to market it because you know every social network has different rules and regulations about what you can post that's drug related what you can advertise right how you can where you can Yep. Um. So it it's not as simple as just oh I'm just I'm not gonna post a video of somebody smoking it, but I'm gonna I'm a company that sells cannabis. Well, Facebook might sit here and go, don't care. Yeah. That's your business. You can't post. You can't do something. Yeah. So it's not it's not easy. And and it's and complicated. It it's complicated. So I guess you know what what I would ask is you know in our artist community over at bands in town, um. What do you guys, what do you, what do you think? What do you think about the merging of music and the cannabis? Does that interest you? Does that excite you? Have you, have you done some business that crossed the lines there? Yeah. What successes, what challenges have you seen? Um, but what do you think about this overall opportunity? I I think it's going to be something big, um, but it's going to take some yeah. time to get there. I mean, look, look at, at this point, all of the, the beer and alcohol companies that sponsor tours and shows and events, at some point in time, that should be cannabis companies as well. Yeah, yep. So head over to bandsintown dot dot com. Join the community over there. Leave your questions. Leave your comments. I think this is a great topic yeah. for discussion. In the community. I do too. Yep. Um, before we wrap up, let's just do a quick shout out. Thank you to Bruce, everybody at Hypot and Bands of Town, of course, to our sponsors, DiscMakers.com. And we will see everybody next week.
2: This is for Music Biz Weekly, provided by Larry
0: Davis Voice.com
1: and by Jessica Mars com.
2: That's Mars with a Z.